I tell people all the time, it's always a great time to start a business, but it depends on what business you decide to start. Hi, this is Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, host of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I want to serve you. This pandemic has been so hard on America's small businesses and on just America in general. If you're ready to start your dream business, boy, do I have a great offer for you. I am giving away 1,000 copies of my best-selling book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. Over 100,000 people have this book. It has been printed in multiple languages around the world, and I wanted to find a way to serve America's small businesses in this pandemic. And so I'm giving away a thousand copies of my book. All you have to do to get your copy is head over to beginmybiz.com slash free offer to, you know, sign up for your copy. All you have to do is pay shipping and we will mail one out to you. I am so excited about this. I want to serve you. Grab your copy today. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. This is Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady. I want to welcome you to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. This podcast is all about my mission to end small business failure. I have an amazing guest with us today, Dr. Lawrence Peters, and she is the current director of the Tennessee Small Business Development Center in Clarksville, Tennessee. And as the center director, she connects entrepreneurs and business owners with information and opportunities to help them start and grow their businesses. Under Lorna's leadership, the center has experienced notable success. Over 500 entrepreneurs and small businesses have been assisted just in the last year. So I want you guys to know, folks is coming up into small business development centers getting help, and you might want to as well. With Lorna at the helm, the capital infusion for business development has exceeded $7 million in the last two years with opportunities to create jobs and, more importantly, job retention. So I'm so excited to have Dr. Peters with us today, and welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. All right. So tell me, how did you end up? I got to hear your background. How did you end up running a small business development center? Oh, man. I must tell you, from the time I was around nine or 10, I've always had that spirit of entrepreneurship. I can still remember my father owned his own handyman business. He worked a full-time job, but on the weekends and at nights, he would have a handyman business. And he would come home and complain over and over to my mom about the customers and them not paying him. And I've always been a nosy child. I've always been a busy child. Let's put it that way. And I said, Dad, what are you doing to onboard? And back then, I didn't know the word onboard, but what are you telling your customers, what are your expectations for them and their expectations for you? And he looked at me like, what are you talking about, child? So I said, dad, I want you to try something different. Why don't you, on your first meeting with them, tell them what you will do? Most people knew my dad, he was really good at what he did. So they already knew what their product, they knew what they were getting. I said, and make sure you set some boundaries with them. They need to pay upfront a certain percentage and then at the end they can pay you the rest. 
And he said, okay, I'll try it. I was the last child and, and the only girl. So, of course, daddy's girl. He listened to whatever I told him. <laughs> so, after meeting with the client and going through the whole process, he came home and he said, guess what? I got paid on time. They were receptive to everything I had to say. So, every time I meet with a client, I have a challenge and you come up with a solution, I give you 15%. <laughs> so he would give me 50% every single time I was able to help him with his clients. And from that point, I said, man, I get paid to solve problems. I love that. So that's, first of all, where I started thinking about entrepreneurship. But I went on to college. I got my bachelor's, master's, and then started working in higher education. I fell in love with higher education. And then I realized, ah, oh, I still have more to do. I want to work outside of the box, think outside of the box. So I started my own business along with my husband in 2006. Two, 2005, we actually started it, but in 2006, we actually filed the paperwork. <laughs> so it was called Number 7 Management. And that business focused on promoting artists, whether it was musicians, our speakers, and we provided media kits. We made sure everyone knew them in the areas they live. So we were more of PR. So we did that for about two years, was a huge success. And then we found we wanted to diversify what we were doing. So we then added um, nonprofits working on their fundraising, their programming, because as we know, sometimes nonprofits just kind of struggle as it pertains to planning events. And we did that. And then in 2008, things changed because, you know, the economic downturn and what they now call an essential business, what we know in COVID as essential business. Back then, we were not an essential business. We saw everything we worked for just dissipate. So we held on for a little while longer, hoping things would get better. It never did. So I went back to my nine to five working in <laughs> higher education. And then a few years later, the opportunity to be the director of the Small Business Development Center came about. And I said, oh my God, that gives me an opportunity to help businesses or entrepreneurs who are going to navigate these waters I've been through before. So I was excited to accept the position. And as you stated at the beginning, help so many entrepreneurs and businesses. That's great. I mean, I think given how everybody's gone through this pandemic, you were especially empathetic and can understand intimately what people were going through and how they were feeling. Because I think a lot of this is it's one thing for your business to be struggling. It's a whole nother thing for you to manage emotionally how you feel about your business struggling. Because so many of us equate our self-worth with what's in our pocket or what's going on with our business. So if my business fails, does that mean I'm a failure? And so that's something that I want to talk to you about as well, because I think we've got to get people out of this concept of falling in love with their business. Like we want you to love your customers, but that's a business, you're a person. And so we want kind of to teach people to detach a little bit so that you don't feel like because your business failed, you're a failure. That's not true. Your business failing has nothing to do with your destination and where God is sending you. So you have to really be clear about that. But I think particularly when we're younger, because I can certainly remember when revenue was how I equated success. Right. And so I think that now 22 years in the game, I, there, there's a different perspective. I mean, certainly profit is how we keep score. That's never not true. But I think there's some other things you win and sacrifice to be an entrepreneur. We can talk about that. As you speak on that, 
it always brings me back to one of the first things I talk to business owners about mindset. There has to be a shifting, a shift in your mindset as it pertains to your person and being a business owner. Business owners must think differently. Well, you have to because your old friends don't even understand what your your undertaking is. So you've got to figure out how you're going to figure out what you don't know about running a business, right? And that wonderfully dovetails into my next question because I wanted to ask you about sort of like the personal side of working with entrepreneurs. How do you enjoy it? Why do you enjoy working with entrepreneurs as it relates to mindset work? Because I think there's so many resources out here. How to write a business plan, how to set yourself up for funding, how to do a pitch deck, but there's not enough people talking about the personal aspects or even the personal toll that it takes on people when they're starting out in business. And how do you handle that? The best part of my job is working with seeing a business flourish. Someone who comes into me, they have a business idea, there are a lot of negative thinking that's still involved in their process. Well, I don't know I can do this. I think this can be done. And then watch them blossom into someone having a sustainable business. But a lot of times when I meet with them, the best part of meeting with them for me is seeing the spark in their eye. A lot of times these business owners, if they've been in business for a long time, that spark is gone. It's like a new baby with a new idea. And I just love listening to all their ideas. It's limitless. As they continue the process, of course, they start doubting themselves more. But initially, I love that process where we can talk about anything, nothing. There's no boundary. There's no limit. We just have those conversations. So I love talking to entrepreneurs, first-time business owners. And that's, that's the fun part of the job. But how do you help people find their spark again? Those folks that the light, the light is dimmer when they come in the world and beat them down a little bit. How do you help them evaluate whether they should continue or whether perhaps it's time to think about maybe going back into corporate? Such a good question. I ask a few questions usually. The first thing I ask, why did you start your business in the first place? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's a great story. And as, as they're recounting that story and why they started, you see the smile coming, you see a tear coming down. So a lot of times that does help them, but also we also have the honest conversation. You started the business. Is it a nonprofit is it, or is it a for-profit? When was right. the last time you were able to make a profit from the business? Maybe it's time to transition out. Try something new or diversify. But depending, of course, like, you know, depending on the person, I approach it differently. I can completely understand that. One of the things that I like to do is not only ask them why they started the business, but I ask them, why should you keep running it? Is it time for you to transition it to someone else? Or is it time for you to reinvent this business, right? Because a lot of times what I find is reinventing a business starts with them reinventing themselves mm-hmm. and retooling themselves and deciding that they're going to get immersed in something new to fix it. And a lot of times it's hard, but afterwards they always feel like, I'm so glad I did that. Like, I'm so glad I signed up for the Goldman Sachs program, or I'm so glad I signed up for this or that, you know, but it's hard, especially if you've been out of school 25, 35 years, you're like, listen, 
there's people who really internalize that whole you can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing and it's like old dogs better be learning new tricks <laughs> like look because because somebody else will find a young pup so you need to make sure that you out here still learning new tricks right and as you talk about it i always think about what someone once told me they said so many people spend time working in their business and not on their business it's like raising a child right Throughout COVID, I realized the importance of just loving my kids. I was so busy raising them, but I didn't enjoy it. And a lot of times with business owners, they do the work, but they stop enjoying it because they're so ingrained in the everyday of running the business. Yeah, it's the overwhelm of the other 10 jobs they got to do. The problem is the one job they love doing, making their widget or providing their great service, but then they got to do billing. Then they got to do the taxes. Then they got to talk to, you know, the lawyer about this. Then they got to negotiate the next contract. Then, they gotta, you know, or deal with the customer service issue from somebody that bought something online and now they're trying to return it. You know I mean? It's all this other stuff. And I tell people all the time, when you put your shingle out and you say you're open for business, you are immediately taking on 10 to 12 jobs, yeah. any of which any of which can clothesline you on any given day, right? You know, so you have to be prepared. You have to be organized. You have to do your homework and you have to ask for help if you need it. Like there is no pride. You should be able to say, I don't know, I gotta I, I get some help. And, and I guess that's why small business development centers are so great, right? Because for the most part, they're, are they free or are they really low cost? Yeah, mm -hmm. there's no cost at all for using the small business development centers. Yeah, exactly. um, Some of the programs, for instance, if you register for a webinar, now we're doing webinars, but an in-person class, sometimes there's a small fee associated with it but in general, it's a no-cost service. Right, so this is just a free resource. And guess what? Every state in the nation has small business development centers. Most of them are connected to a university. So you probably wanna just check online. SBA.gov will give you a listing of all of the small business development centers in the country. There's like over a thousand. I know awesome. I live in Pennsylvania. I know you're in Tennessee. There's like 14 of them in Tennessee. So. Yeah. You don't have any excuse anymore, folks. If you're looking for help, there is free help out here for you, especially training help, which is great. So I definitely want to put in a plug for small business development centers. I have benefited from them. I have trained and coached for them. So I am I am a, a huge, 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 big fan. So I want to go back to what we were just talking about, though, and then I want to ask you, what do successful entrepreneurs do? Like what, what are the traits you think that are common in people who figure out how to win in business? From what I've seen and what I've experienced with a lot of the business owners, they, first of all, they have a mentor. Most people think they can do it on their own. They have a mentor. You don't do it on your own. There's no reason to do it on your own. And I tell them if you're if you don't have a lot of money, start with a small business development center. Consider us a mentor, you know, take advantage of that. They have mentors. They also do some research before they go into a certain business. If you have a business idea, it's great, but even better, take the time to do the research. And that's what a lot of successful business owners I've seen do. They make sure to have certain individuals around them. If you're the smartest person in your group, and we've heard this over and over again, there's a problem, right? right. You're, you're in the wrong group. <laughs> get another group. And I get the opportunity to be around millionaires all the time. And I'm telling you, the people around them 
are sharper than them and they're sharper. Like, wow. So understanding your team and who you have around you. And also they stomp ants. I don't know if you've heard this acronym before, avoid negative thoughts. When you speak to someone who's successful in business, they're just positive. I mean, the world around them is breaking loose and there's some positivity in there because they're like, okay, today, I understand things are challenging, but it's going to get better tomorrow. We have to look beyond. So the way they think is so different from many others who are not as successful in business. Okay. So I like so much of what you had to say. I talk about that a little bit too. In my book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, I talk about how every small business owner needs a kitchen cabinet of advisors. So they need someone who is an existing entrepreneur, somebody who's been there, done that, that can help them, you know, kind of sidestep some of those potholes out here. They need a customer or potential customer, somebody that could be sort of like that internal advocate. And I like for people to get a mentor in industry and one outside that has nothing to do with their, maybe just a really smart business person in their life that they met on their job or through church or whatever, like just some other kind of mentor, because I think people need personal mentoring. Like I think sometimes you need help handling a business situation. So you might call your business mentor, but sometimes you just need somebody to talk you off the ledge, you know? And that's why I think you need sort of like a mentor that maybe knows business, but doesn't know your business, but can give you an, a real outsider's perspective. And then you certainly, you need a lawyer and you need an accountant. And if you went to college, prayerfully, hopefully, you know, a lawyer and you know, an accountant. I'm fortunate because I got two accountants and a lawyer in my immediate family. Although don't tell them, but they are the last people in the earth. I want to ask for advice because they, they know everything. And I have to be like, I'm America's number one small business expert. I just need this question answered. I don't need my whole business analyzed. Thank you very much. You know, so, <laughs> but you know, when it's your mom and your brother or your other brother, it's like, okay, guys, you know, but my point is, is that that's kind of what I tell people baseline they need to have around them. So I think if I combine your list and my list, I think we got it. <laughs> I would also have to add knowing business terminology. I get calls all the time. I received a call last week. Someone was in business for two years. I said, have you met with a CPA? What's a CPA? And I was, wow. I was in shock. And then, but over the years, I've had those questions. What's a CPA? What's a bookkeeper? What's a cash flow statement? What are projections? Wow. What are KPIs, key performance indicators? So right. I always, I provide a mini list of Hey, you're going into business. These are key things you need to know. If you're speaking with a banker, they want to even have that dialogue knowing, you know, some of those key terms. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And, and, and it's funny that you say that a few years ago, I actually wrote a blog post, like the 10 or 15 financial terms every small business owner needs to know, because I was, I was hearing some of those same kinds of things when I would go out and do speaking engagements and stuff. And, and people didn't know what cost of goods sold was and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. We got to make sure that people understand this stuff. And there's actually even a glossary at the end of my first book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, that breaks some of those terms down too. Because I wanted to make sure I wasn't up here, you know, talking over people's head. I wanted to make sure they knew what these terms are. Because my gosh, how are you going to know if you're making money or not if you don't understand some of these terms? Now, one of the things that I want to 
have you break down for us is the difference between SCORE and the Small Business Development Center. Because I think people between the SBA, Small Business Development Centers and SCORE, I don't think people understand what the distinct difference is between those three organizations. And I was wondering if you could quickly break it down so that people could understand. I would love to. This is how I break it down. I consider SBA the parent and they have three children. They have the Small Business Development Centers, SCORE, and PTAC. So of course, we talked a little about the Small Business Development Center, what we do. I say we do three things well. We listen, we educate, and we connect you to resources. So that's what the Small Business Development Center does. As it pertains to SCORE, I see them coming into play when you have a specialization. If you're interested in the robotics industry or they're all volunteers in the score organization and they have been in C type level positions for many years. So they have specific specialization, if I may put it that way, as it pertains to if a business owner is interested in something that's specific, I always refer them to score. Score does similar to what we do um, one-on-one counseling and all that. But another thing that separates us, we know exactly what's going on in the community. Depending on the person, I know exactly what bank they need to speak with. I know what bank will tell them no, because I'm in the community. I'm ingrained in the community. And SCORE is more, you come to them, they don't go to you. You have just a different, it's not really a community feel. It's more a mentor at a higher level feel. That's mm-hmm. how I put it. And PTAC, they're the organization who works with you if you're interested in government contracting or state and local contracting. Yes, they'll actually help you with research on specific contracts, right? That's what PTAC centers do. I'm glad you we're the three kids. I'm glad you brought up PTAC centers because I wasn't even thinking like that when I asked you that question. So I really appreciate that. Because one of the things that always confuses people is I think they think the SBA is a lending organization. And I'm like, no, the SBA is a guarantor of loans. Although since all this PPP and EIDL and all this other stuff is going on, they are giving out money. So it's, so it's like, and we see how good they are at doing that. Yeah. Anyway, so, so they probably need to leave it to someone else. But I think that I wanted to just make sure that you had the opportunity to share that because I want to make sure everyone knows all the resources out here that are free that you yeah. can get help and certainly that what the SBA is and what it and what it isn't. So if someone is thinking about starting a business right now, is that a good idea? Is it a good idea to start a business right now? I tell people all the time, it's always a great time to start a business, but it depends on what business you decide to start. Timing is everything. Research is everything. Knowing how much is needed to start that business and the overhead is everything. So it's a great time to start a business, but make sure you do some more research. Make sure it's an essential business if everything changes once again, because something else will happen. 2008 happened, 2019 happened, something will happen again. So make sure your business can maneuver as times change, if I would put it that way. But it's a great time to start a business. I love it. And I completely agree with you. All right. So let's say I want to start my business. What, what should I do first? Like what, what are the steps I should take if I, if I decide that now is a good time for me to start a business? Great time to start a business. Like I said, always a great time. But if you're interested in starting a business, first figure out what's the startup. Okay. How much will we need to get the business started? All right. Once you know that, great. You have the great idea. Well, let me reverse a little bit. 
you have a great idea, meet with your small business development center first. Let's have a conversation with you. More than likely, we may give you a business plan to complete or a strategic plan to complete. And then you'll come back to us. We'll have a conversation. These are all great things. Have you done your market research? Have you figured out the statistics? Uh, are you focused on women, men, age, between the ages of 19 and 25? So do more of that research first. And then, okay, we check that box off. You've done your research. It sounds like a great idea. Let's move forward. Let's start doing some soft promoting of your business. Social media is great, of course, but there are some other ways you need to promote your business to attend networking events. A lot of individuals wait to promote their business after it opens. Right? That's a little too late. Do it before, but just follow the steps. Meet with the Small Business Development Center first. We do the business plan. We find out what things we need to revise or change before you move forward. And then once you're ready to open, we figure out how much money is needed along the way and then network, do a soft opening and your business is ready to start. There's All a right. lot more to it, but I kind of, <laughs> yeah, as you know, because <laughs> I know we only have so much time, but that's why we start. I definitely, I definitely know. Now, one of the things I read that you like to teach people about is what you call everyone needs a Bales team. And I was, I know Bales is an acronym. So I wanted to know if you could break down for us, what is the Bales team? What is that? Yeah. So Bales, B is banker, A is accountant, I is insurance agent, L is lawyer. And I actually added the S, which is for the small business development center. As I was speaking to a lot of individuals, I said, hey, we need to add the S to it, the Small Business Development Center. But everyone, I've been saying this for years before COVID happened, you need to have a relationship with your banker. It makes a big difference in your life. You need to have a relationship. Make sure the small business banker at your bank knows who you are, has an understanding of what you're planning to do as you continue to grow your business. So I always say, make sure you have some type of relationship with your banker. Accountant, that's self-explanatory. We all need an accountant. <laughs> and if you're starting out, feel free to start with a bookkeeper first. Sometimes they, they're a lot less expensive. Start there and continue growing. You don't have to have everything at its full capacity as you start your business. Continue to grow it. And of course, the insurance, you need insurance for your business a lawyer. Some have it on retainer. There are a lot of different companies out there that are inexpensive. They offer the support, the lawyer support that you need. So I always tell individuals, focus on the bills team and you should have a great support team as you continue to grow your business. Now, I have a question for you about the lawyer. Now, is Rocket Lawyer or LegalZoom okay for like some basic stuff? Or do you really feel like they need a lawyer they can actually pick up the phone and call that is like their lawyer? I feel like they need a lawyer that can actually call. This is a thing with legal Zoom and all the other, the other one that you mentioned. It is not as detailed as individuals think. It's a great resource. Don't get me wrong, but I will always have another lawyer, a community lawyer, someone in your area review what Rocket, I forgot what you said, Rocket Lawyer, right? That's what- Yeah, Rocket Lawyer. Mm -hmm. I would okay. have them review it, but it's a great resource, but I would- I prefer you speak with a lawyer in your community because things are different depending on the state. There are some things that are missed. Um, Rocket Lawyer had a client who had a challenge. They did use, I think it was Rocket Lawyer they used, and then 
something happened within their business. They got sued and there was something missing, a clause missing in there and they lost the lawsuit. So I always say, make sure you have a local lawyer also review it if you can. And one of the things I wanted to also ask you about too, is that so many people are home-based businesses, even if they are like e-commerce businesses or whatever, and they think their homeowner's insurance policy is going to cover them if something happens. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Yes. The homeowner's insurance policy does not cover everything. Just like the homeowner's insurance policy doesn't cover if water comes from the outside, it only covers if water comes from the inside. I learned that personally. <laughs> but as it pertains to having a business at home, make sure you speak with your insurance company to let them know, I have a business inside of my home, this is what I do, so that you can gain additional coverage for that. Yeah, you definitely need small business insurance and it is not expensive. So you really don't have an excuse, but please don't think if your inventory burns up in a fire that your homeowner insurance is going to cover that because they're not. If they find out you have a business, they're going to be like, well, where's the business policy? So you definitely want to make sure that you are covered in, in all of those ways. And I wanted to know if you had a story about a special a client that had come into your small business development center and maybe you weren't even sure if they were listening to you, but they turned out to be a megastar of business. Do you have anyone like that in sort of like your portfolio? Yes. I would actually like to talk about my rising star business of 2020. They're um, an African-American couple. They've had a daycare for over 12 years. So they came in to meet with me. The daycare was doing pretty well but their credit was suffering because of some medical challenges the husband had a few years ago. No one wanted to give them money. I shouldn't say give them money, but allow them to borrow money. So we sat, we came up with a great business plan. We came up with different scenarios. If if one bank said no, what we would say to the next bank and the next bank. And we went to the first bank and I attended all these meetings with them. That's another thing with the Small Business Development Center. As I say, we, I consider my clients, my family. I've been to weddings. I've been to, unfortunately, funerals. You are my family member. And I just saw a light, a spark and and in that family. And I just wanted to spend my time investing in them. So I attended all the meetings with them. The first meeting we went to, they sat, they smiled, you know, the banker smiled and the banker said, we can't help you. We're sorry. I said, their revenue is great. They've been around for 12 years. No, your credit score is too low. Said okay. So we went back to the drawing board for about three more months. We said these are things we need to do to make sure the, the credit score is improved. Then we reached out to a different bank. She said, I don't know. Let me see what I can do. Can you meet with me again? So we met with her, sat down. About a week later, they were approved to open a second location. And now they they open that second location. It's out, it's about I would say 50 miles from their current location and they're already filled up. They're doing great. I mean, they have hired eight more employees. Wow. They are booming. And that's just from spending time with me and us finding some creative ways to reach out to the different banks and to help with improving their credit score. And they're doing great. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad I asked you to tell that story because I think a lot of times people get discouraged and they don't know where to go to get help. They think they're just stuck with what somebody's opinion is of them. One of the things that I do wanna say though, is that I'm a big proponent of eliminating credit scoring in America because I believe 
that it is the way that institutional racism is being reinforced because I don't understand why poor people should pay more than rich people for anything. And unfortunately, that's the way the credit scoring system has been set up to penalize people who struggle and it doesn't make sense. And certainly if you are a small business that self-funded your business, a lot of times your credit isn't perfect because things happen, you're waiting on payments from people, whatever. So I think it's really important to talk about what you did for them and that that bank, unfortunately, probably felt like they were taking a chance on a business with amazing revenue. And, and I've seen it so, I have seen that happen so many times and it's very, very troubling because these are worthy businesses. Somebody's yeah. been in business 12 years if, you know, I could see if they had only been in business two years, but they had been in business 12 years. They had a track record. They were cash flow positive and growing and, and somebody turned them down. It's like, wait a minute, what, what more do you want? You know? And, and what I usually say too, banks don't want to gamble on upcoming businesses, you yeah. know, new businesses, but like you mentioned, they also don't want to gamble on businesses business owners who've been around for a while, but they had a hiccup in their credit score. They just don't want to. And it's unfortunate, but they shouldn't have the choice. They should have to. I mean, because it's to me, I almost feel like it's another form of discrimination to be very honest with you. So I think that those of us that are advocates for small business owners, we need to push back. And we say, wait a minute, this is a good family. This is a good business. Look at the facts. And so I'm really excited to hear that you've had that opportunity to have such an impact on a local business in your area because people need to feel like they have options. I always leave my podcast asking people a couple of quick questions. So I'm gonna ask you now, what is your favorite podcast? Do you listen to podcasts? Business Made Simple. I don't know if you've heard of that one. That is a really good one. They talk about a lot about, of course, starting businesses and growing businesses, but they have a lot of different special guests on there. It just helps me with my mindset. You know, every, okay. every 30 days, I reset the way I think, and I just spend time listening to podcasts and reading books. I love it. I love it. All right. What is your favorite old school marketing tip? My favorite old school marketing tip is to brand yourself. Use yourself as a brand as you go out to promote your business. And that's sometimes people forget the way you look. Like people always say, girl with the big hair, the girl with the big hair, that's my brand. And if I ever flat iron my hair or have a straight wig on, people don't, they're like, who is that? It loses, it loses something. So understand you are also a brand. That's an old school way. Determine what colors you use in your business and wear most of those colors all the time. You'll always see me navy blue, yellow, or black, sometimes red, but <laughs> you, you're your brand. That's old school. I love it. I love it. And what is the best business book you've ever read? I have several. I have several. I, I mean, I don't know where to start and where to end because I have several of them. I wrote them down, but I would have to say, ooh, let's say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if I had to choose. And it's because once again, in the book, it talks about the mindset of a rich dad and the mindset of a poor dad. And I refer to that. I was reading part of it again yesterday. Again, I'm always working on my mindset, but that would have to be my number one book. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lawrence Peters from the Small Business Development Center in 
Clarksville, Tennessee. You have been such a joy to talk to. And I really hope that my podcast listeners now know what small business development centers can do for them and why they need to find the one in their local community. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady. You've been listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. If you want more information about how to start and grow your business, head on over to Small Biz Lady University. I'm sure I got a course that can get you there a little faster. With that, I will leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.